Welcome back, friends, family, and fans to the Exennial Marks podcast. I don't have a very clever, quippy thing to say to start this week's episode, but nothing wrong with me. I just didn't have time to think one up this week. What can I say? Honesty's my policy. But anyway, I'm Will Tubbs, and I am joined, as always, for another episode of Exennial Marks podcast by my dear and longtime friend, Aaron Corville. Let's not waste any time bringing Aaron in. Aaron, 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 how are you doing this week? What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, just living the dream and teaching, and uh, I don't know if we've... Have we ever announced on the on air that my wife and I are expecting our first child? I don't think we have. I don't think you have. Well, we'll do it now. A hearty congratulations to you. Well, thank you. This morning, we had our big ultrasound, and it, and I'll tell you, man, I had a chance to hear my baby's heartbeat for the first time, and, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I had some tears in my eyes. It was one of the more moving moments... I've ever experienced it. I can't describe it beyond that, but it was incredible. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's crazy, man. And, you know, I've known you for a long time. You're not one that cries very often, so it was one of the happy. It's a happy cry. It was it was a amazing moment. But anyway, and we have a we're learning the gender day after tomorrow. So next week, I'll know if it's a son or a daughter we're having later on in the year. So anyway, that's what was going on in my life. What's going on in yours? Not much, man. Uh, everything I had to work today got rained out, so it was kind of a light day at the, uh, you know, at the office. So, and then everybody's getting ready for Easter, you know. So, so nothing. The weekend's it. kind of. Uh, yeah, I may have a baseball game or something, but nothing major. All right. Actually, it's crazy. Uh, state of Florida, where I work, does not take off for Easter or Good Friday anyway. It's the. the big change from not being in Louisiana or southern Mississippi anymore it's like you got off for good Friday back in my day <laughs> but not yeah. here I mean it's no big deal hey, I'm, I'm well and a lot of it with the schools a lot of that coincides with spring break too you know so right well we were on spring break two weeks ago so now we're back in but anyway in the world of wrestling Aaron did you get a chance to watch Raw or Smackdown or anything uh yeah I had to work a little bit early in the week but I did uh, see some YouTube clips I caught um, some of it live. Of course, I'd never have enough time to sit and watch three hours of one show and two hours of the next. That's that's uh, our younger, still in college, and younger listeners might not understand this. When you become older, you don't have five free, or you shouldn't have five free hours a week to watch wrestling. You sure as hell won after that kid comes. No, for sure. Well, anyway. Before we go into our actual wrestling talk, Aaron, in case our friends and fans on SoundCloud are curious or even people who are trying to look through our archives. If you tried to do that this week, you'll notice we, we didn't have an archive up anymore. Uh, got some changes going on here at the show, as though we're like some kind of big conglomerate. But no, we decided just to run two episodes at a time. We we haven't deleted our archive. We have it. It's just not publicly available right now. Doesn't mean it's not coming back anytime soon. It's just not up right now. What we're trying to do is, is get people to listen to the more recent episodes and engage with us. And by the way, hey, here's the thing. If you want us to put all these episodes back up, you and all your friends start hitting us with comments on either Twitter or on the SoundCloud, and you might convince us to come back with them. But anyway, for now, you'll just have the most recent episode and then the, the week prior uh, for the time being. And so you'll still have enough to get good, solid, you know, two and a half, three hours worth of us, and that's probably enough for anybody in a given week in one setting for sure. And, uh, hey, at some point down the road, we'll have a giant relaunch of all our tracks and all our episodes. This is episode 47. We still have the previous 46 on hand and saved in multiple locations. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Getting into professional wrestling. That's That sounded very business-like, and we're not a business-like show. We're barely mature. So let's talk professional wrestling, and let's talk about, you know, when they brought her in, WB brought Ronda Rousey in to have her become a cross promotional cross entertainment star, and she's definitely that. She's uh, she's known now because she did the full Ginsburg on ESPN earlier this week. Aaron, did you catch any of that uh, shit show, for lack of a better word? Yeah, I caught a, a little bit of that. I didn't know what the fuck was going on on ESPN, man. I couldn't tell I, if, I, if Ronda Rousey was being intentionally just difficult to deal with or she just wasn't understanding some of the questions. You know, part of me thought that she was, she was actually like doing that intentionally. Right. That was the only rationale in my mind. I was like, there's no, 
like particularly the stuff with Golik, I was like, there's no way she misunderstood that. Yeah, that's you know me. I mean? She's not a dumb person, so I had to go with she was just being. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't word, like this was the first maybe? interview she's ever done for ESPN. Yeah, she's been on there. You know, go ahead times. and explain it for the people like that may have not heard. Well, she did, and by the way, that's a, a journalism term. The full Ginsburg came from back in the Lewinsky days. There's an exennial term for you. Was her her lawyer was Ginsburg, and that the full Ginsburg is going on all the morning talk shows, and just you're you're popping up on all the news programs. Uh, but ESPN, if you go visit their facility, what they do is run you through all of their properties or most of their properties. She didn't catch all of the shows, but she caught all the big ones, and. Uh, the first one they went on was Golik and Wingo, which is what used to be called Mike and Mike, but now it's they don't have two mics anymore. But uh, on Golik and Wingo, and Golik was asking a question about Ronda Rousey's fighting career, and I don't remember how he worded it, but he oh he said if you go in time, could you fight again? In other words, given enough time in WWE and having experienced that life, is it possible that? in time, you will fight again in the UFC. And Ronda Rousey responded that she doesn't have a time machine. She can't travel back in time. And I thought, is she drunk? Because that was my first reaction. And then it's like, no, I think she's just being difficult. And then I was wondering, is she having trouble focusing? I, like I said, I, I'm going to go with, because I respect her intelligence, that she was just being difficult. Uh, I used the phrase obtuse earlier. I actually heard that from a different ESPN personality, uh, a different well, guy. Well, part of me well. thought he was working ESPN. It could have been that. But that's not the time to do it. Like, she just goes on all it, because it wasn't just like one show. Did you see the stuff she did on first take? Yeah, well, now that one really boggled the mind because she was attacking Max Kellerman for, which, by the way, I teach this in my journalism classes. When I can't stand when journalists say, some people say when they really mean I think, and I'm assuming other people have said it. But here's the thing. I don't think Kellerman thought that of her. Yeah. I think he's speaking it because Kellerman, for whatever you think about him with sports and stuff, when it comes to the fight game, like boxing and stuff, he's pretty knowledgeable, you know, and he usually gives a lot of fighters the benefit of the doubt and whatnot. He does. Uh, and I, I don't have the archive, I don't, but I'm willing to take his word for it. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, what it was was, uh, Max Kellerman was saying that a lot of journalists were really negative about Rousey when she started losing fights, and he was trying to get her to talk about that. And she goes, well, what I have experienced is some journalists saying some people when they really mean I think. And again, in spirit, I agree 100%. Lots of journalists, particularly sports journalists, are bad about saying many have said, and really not many have said it, you think it, and you're hoping that other people have said it. But as you pointed out, Aaron... I don't think, and Max says, he never actually said that. He had heard other people say it, and he was just mentioning, hey, there are other sports writers and analysts. And incidentally, in defense of Kellerman, if you listen to any type of MMA podcast or MMA you know, radio show, and of course I have that on Sirius, various uh, programs I listen to, they have said Lots of negative things about her from when they when she started losing. So he wasn't lying. He wasn't wrong. I so think she was just about, difficult. Uh, you know, not just Chel Sonnen, but a lot, a lot of different MMA people did did kind of crap all over her after she lost and started losing fights. Yeah. Um, but it, if this would have been like one of her first interviews, it would have it would have been a little more understandable. This was this was weird. It was you know what odd. I mean. I've heard several people I'm, say it. It's uh, There's a guy who comes on, it's Channel 93 on your serious dial, called Luke Thomas. Do you ever listen to that show? No. Luke Thomas is exclusively MMA. He doesn't talk a lot of wrestling, but since Ronda Rousey has the connection to MMA, on his show, he and his co-hosts often, Luke Thomas and his co-hosts often, uh, discuss Rousey and, and her her fall from grace and now her move into WWE. And, it's, and he says there's something. He goes, I've never seen a fighter lose one fight and then lose another fight and whatever hole is there she just can't fill it like she can't fix whatever's broken and he goes and I don't understand it he goes it's got to be mental cuz physically you know she's still dominant and I kind of have to agree with uh, with Luke Thomas not that he and I are friends I've never talked to the guy in person but I heard his show and I had to agree yeah 
And, you know, I don't know. It may be one of those things where maybe she's just stressed out. She's getting ready for her first match ever on fucking WrestleMania. Maybe. Um, so I don't know. But part of me thought, part of me was like, was she told to go work ESPN? You know? She it, might have been. Like she was going to be. It, almost, it was almost like they were trying. If I didn't know any better, they would turn her heel at some point, and she so she just goes and works ESPN like the old back in the day. Yeah, I I can buy that. The only thing but that I, makes me think they it's want to not turn true. Heel. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, well, two things. One, as you just said, I don't think WWE wants her to be a heel, at least not right now. And two, that would be the only person who they would have being in character. Usually when they deal with ESPN or anything, it could be a heel or baby face. They're all going to be nice to the, the media. It would fly in the face of WWE's last decade of the way they book themselves in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. But who, I, 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 and I'm not a psychiatrist, but I, I'm putting myself in Ronda Rousey's place and trying to understand, put walk a mile in her shoes. I don't know if she's just defensive because she thinks people, because people have been so negative about her losing that she thinks the entirety of the media is out to get her. And if they're going to be, you know, jerks to her, she'll just be jerks right back. That could be part of it. So who knows? It could be. It could be. It could be uh, people shit on her for uh, going into wrestling in the first place too. Yeah. I mean, the media is full of political media, entertainment media, Sports media, any media, is full of a bunch of know-it-all jerks. I mean, I'm one of those, and I was in the media, still am. So, <laughs> you know, it, it can feel like people are out to get you, and you don't see any reason to be nice to them if they're not going to be nice to you. And, and by the way, you don't really have to be nice to journalists. They're used to being yelled at. And I know I got used to it over the years. It's not fun, but, you know. I don't Here, think I thought the weirdest thing that we were going to talk about Rousey this week was going to be the uh, the makeup underneath her eyes on Monday. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I wasn't paying that close of attention. But what's going on with with that? Well, with her interaction with Absolution, but didn't do her any favors. No, it didn't make a lot of sense to me in terms of what they were even doing out there. But other than to give her someone to beat up, which she's already beaten up Triple H, so I don't think it's kind of a step down. It's almost like. Doing this, like they're trying to just give her people to throw around just so they can make the entrance video. That could very well be the case. Could be, could be, be uh, or make the the uh, the pre the pre match video. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, very much. Hey, they was, do that. I mean, and I ain't got yeah. nothing against it, but no, do what you that do. that uh that, that suplex she does is is different. It, it almost looks like it's a little dangerous. Not not for her doing it, but I mean, it's like it's a weird way to land. You know what I mean? Yeah, it actually looks a lot more authentic, which I'm sure it probably is because she's throwing them the way you're supposed to throw <laughs> with a good hip toss. But yeah. yeah, well, we'll see what becomes of Ronda Rousey in the next few weeks. But I'll tell you something else that was going on, Aaron. If 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 you saw it or caught replays of it on YouTube or or whatever else was, Daniel Bryan is all the way back, and he's. Again, we said it last week. He announced that he is, as you predicted correctly, going to be in a tag match with Shane against uh, Owens and Sami Zayn. But when Daniel Bryan announced that he was coming back, explosion. The, he he is the number one babyface again. He's been gone. He's back. Nothing has changed. He's still the number one babyface. Right. I mean, he's he's over like a million bucks. I just wonder who they're going to get to replace Shane McMahon. Um, did you hear about this? No. Like Shane McMahon was in the Caribbean and he caught a case of uh, diverticulitis. No goodness. Yeah. And at the same time he caught um, that, apparently he's also got a hernia. Hmm. So if he's got a hernia, that's definitely going to take him out of mania. Goodness. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be bouncing around the ring, particularly the way he does with a hernia. And I don't that that kind of stuff, I don't think that's a work. You know, you don't you don't just say that. Yeah, that's awful you know. specific to think they're lying. Although, here, here's the thing: if they wouldn't have talked themselves in, I don't know why they put this stipulation on it. Where if Zane and Owens win, they're reinstated. If they lose, they remain fired. 
I don't get it. You know, because no. you don't want them to. You don't want to. Jo- well, the WWE doesn't care. They'll job Daniel Bryan. They don't give a crap. You shouldn't want to job your number one baby face. So, uh, his first night back. Uh, but you know, they probably. You know, I've, I've wondered this, and this is from what I understand that Daniel Bryan's also agreed that after every uh, physical interaction in the ring, he has to go back. Um, backstage to the locker room or whatever and undergo some sort of uh some sort of concussion testing either either manual testing from the trainers or maybe uh, like what they used to call that impact testing like what they do in the nfl yeah but i think he's agreed to do that after every interaction in the ring um every physical interaction in the ring so to speak um what i wonder if that if he'll is he going to be a full-time wrestler again, or is this going to be a part-time thing? Well, if I was, I mean, I think he probably wants to go full-time, but, and I think we'd like to see him full-time as long as his health is going to allow it. Right. But who knows? I don't think WWE wants him to be full-time. They might use him as an attraction because if he goes full-time, you know what comes next. It's, they're going to want the fans are going to want and i'm going to want him to win the royal rumble and highlight and headline a wrestlemania yep and then can he take that kind of full schedule again exactly what's going to happen if he goes and gets another concussion and now yeah now you're stuck where you were after wrestlemania 30 yeah precisely we'll, we'll see how it goes uh the one thing I will say, if Shane can't go, at least it makes sense that Daniel Bryan as a babyface would go one against two in a handicap match. At least that would make sense that, from a booking standpoint. I mean that that I mean that could very well happen. But if he um, does that, you gotta let him win. I, if it's Bania, though, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought somebody back, though. Also quite possible. What's funny is the two biggest baby faces in the company right now, both are scheduled for tag matches and don't have tag team partners. So Brian on SmackDown and uh, Braun Strowman on Raw, which actually leads us to the next story, is what to do with Braun Strowman. The internet this week, Aaron, has been a buzz with people speculating wildly over who will or should be Braun Strowman's partner come WrestleMania. Uh, The one I read today was Rey Mysterio, but have you heard any other names? I have heard no other names. I, I was going to ask you to throw the names that have been floating around the internet. It doesn't. I haven't heard any. It, it doesn't need to be floated around, but, or shouldn't be shared because, to be frank with you, I think it's all a bunch of fantasy booking, and I don't get into that because that's not Yo, based on any kind of insider knowledge. I thought he signed with another promotion. Do what now? I thought Mysterio signed with another promotion recently. I thought so too, but sure enough, today I saw it actually was on WrestleZone uh, saying that Mysterio was a name being floated around for him to come in and be Strowman's tag team partner, which I don't think would make any yeah. sense at all. But that was what I read. You know, well, hell, he's already beat Cesaro and Sheamus by himself. Yeah. You know, I mean, on one-on-one uh, interaction. If they really want to make him the, if they really want to make him the next big baby face, which they should. I would leave him alone, let him be his own partner, and let him go through everyone. And Could be, but that would kill your tag team division. I mean, it's not exactly alive and thriving. I think it could kill the tag division, but at the same, it depends on how you book the match. But anyway, some a name I also read, that, but again, it's, it's all fantasy booking nonsense, was that it was going to be Bray Wyatt. And I thought, oh no, don't, don't put that stink on poor Braun Strowman. See, I keep hearing that there was a uh, this thing at a house show where uh, Matt Hardy basically um, got on the microphone with uh, with Wyatt and basically told him that he was his savior or something like that. And it sounded like they were floating around the idea of maybe Wyatt and Hardy eventually becoming a tag team. Well, that could be something, I suppose, and. I did read this week that they were going to be retooling Bray Wyatt's character because they think the one that he has is is, is gone stale. They killed or, it. Yeah, exactly. No, they killed it. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's gone stale. It's you, you left it out. It out you left like, it out in the sun. Yeah, I think you stomped on it like a lit cigarette. You know. Yeah. It, it, 
that's why it went stale. It was fine if you had left it alone. But, yeah. Anyway, that's the, the rumor I heard was uh, next thing up is retooling Bray Wyatt and potentially putting him, as you said, with, with Matt Hardy. Or, again, fantasy bookers, the internet over, say, putting him with Braun Strowman, which, again, wouldn't make any sense. I don't see putting anybody with Braun Strowman that's going to make sense because he needs to be a singles star getting a singles push. Right. But No, I agree with you of on course, that. If they were paying attention and thinking logically, he wouldn't be... He'd be doing that right now in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. But they won't. So. You know, it, it's all this going on. It doesn't feel like they only have one week to go. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, they still... there's This is the second or third year in a row where it feels like WrestleMania has not... Like, they don't even know what they want to do. Yeah. So. Now, I say this, and I'm sure that the undercard, at least, will exceed my expectations. Well, I hope so. Uh, here's what's really interesting. I thought about this today. Wouldn't it be funny if Undertaker didn't show up after all the Cena stuff? Like if the week you know, of, part of me was actually wondering if the off chance he might just not show up until WrestleMania. Well, <laughs> like, seems... would, it, would it be weird? Like, if all of a sudden he like Cena comes out at WrestleMania and and basically you know cuts cuts a promo on Taker and then the lights go dark and he tombstones gets tombstone and then Taker just walks off. <laughs> that might be the best way to book that because then neither guy technically lost the match it was just a moment yeah I know right um, but there's still speculation that we'll see the American badass character huh. which I, I ain't gonna lie to you I'll mark out for if that happens well I mean you got Kid Rock going in the Hall of Fame <laughs> yeah I mean, as well let Kid Rock pl- sing him on down to the ring <laughs> yeah but I mean, I know a lot of people shit on that character. I like that character. I wasn't, you know. I never had anything. I, wrong I wasn't with even it. really, uh, you know. I've never been a biker or anything, but he was just a relatable character. Oh come on now, Aaron! You know you want to be a biker. No, I can't say I ever have. <laughs> well, I I think we've talked the Cena to death, but. but it was funny to see him Monday night doing some of Taker's moves. I'm like, well, if he wasn't a heel before, he's seen as definitely a heel now. <laughs> I, I yeah, guess. I'm still, uh, I'm still wondering about this, this odd promo style he's doing. It's almost like, um, like I said, his character is using the fans to try to guilt Taker into showing up. It's, 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 it's a very heelish thing to do. It is indeed, sir. But. Anyway, he it it's like I say his 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 promo style has gone from hustle, loyalty, and respect to like desperation, like he's a a man at the end of his rope or something. It's like I don't see how that makes any sense. Wouldn't anyway? I, who knows? It'd be like if Pacquiao and Mayweather before they fought, if the other one was like, if I don't, if this doesn't happen, I'm just losing faith in humanity. You know, it was, it's not that desperate of a situation. Yeah. yeah. Really, you know, here's another thing you mentioned is that with it being only a week out before WrestleMania, and we got to do our big preview next week, by the way, it doesn't it feel strange that not a whole lot is going on on either Raw or SmackDown, although I should mention a couple things on SmackDown I really did like. Uh, one was the Bludgeon Brothers attempting to use their hammers to... Literally they're, bludgeon they're, their they're, opponents. They're Thor hammers. Yeah, I mean those are stupid. But it was really funny with somebody whoever was calling the match said they they almost See more stupid Triple H's sledgehammer. Well, they're comically oversized. That's the only <laughs> more like mallets than they do sledgehammers. <laughs> but anyway, no one of the play-by-play people or whoever was calling the thing for SmackDown said he almost decapitated one of the members of New Day. I was like, no, no, no. He almost bludgeoned him. If you'd hit him with a yeah. giant hammer, he would have... Bl- At least know the meaning of the words you're going to name these guys the Bludgeon Brothers. Know what bludgeoning is. I wonder if I wonder if he got yelled at for that through the headset. You know what I mean? Potentially. I don't know. I hope so because I was like, that's not a decapitation. He would have been... You know, it would be bludgeoned would be the word you're looking for. He tried to squish it yeah. with a hammer. 
So. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, like, uh, especially on Raw and stuff, it seems Cole is uh, calling more of the match now. Really? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't not observed it, but good. It just seems like they talk less about, you know, stuff going on outside the ring. But, uh, I mean, it seemed like Cole was actually calling moves and stuff this week. Something and else. maybe that's me. Maybe that's just me. Maybe looking too much into it, but it just—it seems like that was more than in the past. You know what I mean? It seems like he's been doing that more than hell the last however long he's been there. You know, and when he when he's on point, I mean, he can do a good job. Like the UK tournament, mm-hmm. he uh, he did a good job with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Funny what you could do when nobody's yelling in your fucking ear. But, I mean, I got to say this, though. Cole, I mean, especially, Cole was absolutely unlistenable in the 2000s. I have to agree. Yeah, he was really bad in the early 2000s. He, particularly in the added, like, you can go back to 99 when he first started taking over for Jim Ross after after his second bout, I think, with uh, Bell's Palsy. Yeah, no. Uh, no. knows the attitude there. Those, those episodes of Raw were really, really hard to listen to. That was bad, but I must say, in my own personal taste, the heel Michael Cole era was by far the worst. Because you can't, I don't think you can, you yeah. shouldn't have a heel play-by-play guy. That makes no sense at all. It was just bad. That was, and I'm not faulting Cole for that. That I think that was just an experiment that didn't work. Right. I think learned like, ah, oh, that was a fucking terrible idea. Let's never do that again. A couple other things, Aaron, from SmackDown. This week, I thought SmackDown was a far superior show. But uh, I really ha- we haven't talked much about Rusev, but I think they've got a baby face on their hands. Oh, they definitely got a baby face on their hands. This Rusev Day thing is it's taking off. Doing is, is taking off. It has taken off, and he's doing really well with it. And it's funny how his his English has improved over the years. It's amazing <laughs> how that works. Well, you would think after so many years in the United States that English would get a lot better. Well, and his he, giant. He, Super kick he does is really good. Yeah, I find. By the way, being sarcastic, people, I I know he's he's American. Well, no, he's not. But from, no, he's not from America. What? But he speaks perfectly fine English. <laughs> oh, he is. I thought he. I thought he was a, uh, an American of. Uh, no, Rusev. I he, he actually is. You no, know, Rusev actually is from Bulgaria. But he speaks perfect damn English. Yes. No. He's he's been here a long time. He, we we're just kidding. Something else, I don't know if you saw this segment on SmackDown with uh, Nakamura uh, taking on Shelton Benjamin with Chad Gable at ringside and AJ Styles at ringside to protect Nakamura's back. I thought that was a really cool end uh, where Styles is getting a beat. I mean, Nakamura wins the match, obviously. And then Benjamin and Gable attack AJ Styles and then... Nakamura comes in and saves the day, which, by the way, I don't know if you did. did you see that segment? No, I, I missed that segment. Well, get, I saw a, a little favor. bit of SmackDown, but I missed that. Do yourself a favor and look that up because, it, I mean, the segment's cool, but whenever he, when Nakamura grabs Gable and just kind of does like a, a belly-to-back suplex, watch how Gable takes it. It's like, tells you why Gable has a job. I mean, he flings himself backwards. Like, there's no way... Nakamura put that much power into that throw. Like, yeah, I was really hoping they would do more with Gable and, and Benjamin, but it looks like that. Looks like they are not. Yeah, they are not. Well, anyway, after all is said and done, the, the 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 heels have cleared out, but Styles is still hurting. Uh, Nakamura goes into his his histrionics and his his warm up, and he's shaking, and the fans are getting crazy. He takes off running like he's going to throw the running flying knee at Styles, and he does it. But before he makes contact, he just kind of hovers in the air and lands and laughs and says, knee, face, and like pets AJ Styles on the head, and the fans went crazy. And I was like, I think they may have found something with Nakamura and that he is, I'm a bad man, but I don't have to be mean until the bell rings. And it was like, I thought that was a really cool thing they did. It, some people might have thought it was horrible for him to belittle AJ Styles and pat him on the head like a child but i was like it worked for me maybe i'm just I yeah I, I i i would disagree with them because i mean we got a match coming up and these guys don't have to play nice yeah 
you know, they can respect each other, but they ain't got to play, you know, they ain't got to play nice. You know, I mean, if anything, you know, you, you got to you got to have something going in. I know this is a baby face versus baby face match, but you got to have some sort of uh, reason for them to get pissed off at each other and want to compete. Yeah, there's got to be something there. And it's I mean, dream match is a great place to start, but. It's you know Dana White. I don't necessarily think that highly of him, but I always like that he says he hates when he has two fighters who respect each other. He's like, I know you like him and respect him, and I know you like him back and respect him back. But who cares? Who's the badder man? Who can win? Who's going to kick whose ass? You know, then be friends again. Afterwards. Yeah, and that used to be a wrestling thing. Yeah, so it's forward. nice to actually say it again. So I didn't have no problem with that. Yeah, what true. AJ Styles could do next time or next week when is. Get back at Nakamura. And do the same thing. Act like he's going to do one of his great moves and then pull off. Or slap him in the face or, you know, whatever. Do something, you know. <laughs> Get pissed off, you know. Exactly. Now, speaking of, uh, we, we've covered SmackDown pretty well, but almost, by the way, I like to faint it on SmackDown Tuesday night. Becky Lynch won a match. That's the news of the year. Yeah. Uh, beat Ruby Riot clean, right in the middle of the ring. Anyway, on Raw... What the hell have you done with her? Well, well, I guess the answer... We just answered our question there. Yeah. How much? Yeah, not, not, a, not a thing. Not, not a thing. Uh, over on Raw, just not nearly as much going on, at least in my opinion. Did you see they brought out a jobber for, for Asuka to work with? Yeah, Emma Frost. Yeah. Was that her name? Yeah, I think that I forgot it what. Better not be Emma Frost or Marvel. Her last Sue. name was no, not Emma Frost. Her last name was Frost. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I've seen Frost in my front yard last longer than she did against Tosca. Jeez. <laughs> and you live in Louisiana. Frost doesn't last past nine a.m. No. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness, good yeah, that Lord. was pretty rough. Hey, hey, to her credit though, to Frost's credit, that's a that's not a bad little payday for that kind of work. Exactly. Hey, do what you got to do to make money. What can I That's say? National exposure. You got a little promo time. Then you go take one move and call it a day. You don't even got to take a shower. Exactly. Let me rephrase that. I said, do what you got to do to make money. Do what you got to do within the bounds of the law to make money. <laughs> don't take that to me. If you ever hear me say, do what you have to do to make money, I mean legally, of course. Don't don't do illegal things, friends. Of course. Uh, anything I can't think of anything else on Raw that even intrigued me. Of course, Brock Lesnar beat up Roman Reigns for the umpteenth week in a row, and nobody cared. And nobody cared, and I'm sure he may. I mean, Roman may get a little bit next week, or he could get his ass whipped one more time. I think it's just it's just them doing this. Well, they're telling you who's going to win this match at WrestleMania. Well, they've been telling you that for three years, but yeah. And I don't know why they won't change their mind. Now, say again. Is this Roman Reigns' fourth main event now? It would be. At WrestleMania. It would I think be it his, is. his fourth consecutive because it was him versus Lesnar, him versus Triple H, him versus him Taker, versus Taker, and now him versus Lesnar again. God, that's None, sad. That's four consecutive. Well, the first one, they found a way to make it work, but definitely they'll be back-to-back-to-back disappointing WrestleMania main events. I'd put that on much earlier. And then there, some I actually read today again, again twice that I've cited WrestleZone this week. Good, good work on WrestleZone. Uh, they interviewed the folks at WrestleZone interviewed Jim Ross, and he said that he would put Cena and Undertaker on last because it made more sense, and also he didn't want to put either the dream match between Nakamura and Styles on last or Lesnar reigns on last because he wouldn't want to make it seem like he was favoring one belt over the other. And I was like, you're putting a lot more thought into this than the. WWE is uh, Jim. You know, and 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 I and I respect the hell out of Ross's opinion, and I get where the hell he's coming from. I just fear that if the match between Cena and Taker is a stinker, yeah, ooh, that that's going to be two stinkers back to back for Taker. There's that, and you got to find something that people would be excited about at the end of WrestleMania. Well, him beating Cena would make people excited. True. I don't know what the point of it would be, but I mean, nearly as much energy as when The Rock beat Cena at WrestleMania. No, and it's certainly, yeah, I agree. 
and it's certainly not nearly as much energy as when the Rock beat Hogan. No, definitely not. You know, when you think about the card, what do you put on last at WrestleMania? Here's the problem. You haven't booked the show the right way. You don't have the right people in the right matches in terms of who the fans want to see going over big. So if you're not going to have Strowman going over big, you've already messed up there. You got Daniel Bryan back, but that match doesn't need to go on last. I don't think. No, do you? I don't. Yeah. That's, that's not going to go on last. No, and it shouldn't go on last. There's not been enough time to build it up. But when you had one guy the fans really wanted to see take the leap to superstardom this year and you're not going to give the fans that, there really isn't a correct answer now of right. what you have. I, I just I just have a feeling I know what's going to go on last. I'm pretty sure it's going to be it's going to be the Universal Championship. Oh, I guarantee it. It's going to be less than Reigns. I think it's on last, and I, I'm, I'm actually not going to argue with that going on last because it is the Universal Championship. You just have to know, unless you got something odd planned as a finish. You know, if you if you just go straight forward with Roman winning, people ain't gonna go home happy. No, I don't think so. Not not the smart WrestleMania crowds. Not. No, I I agree. Here's what's also something I just thought about, Aaron. I don't think NXT has anybody coming up for the night after WrestleMania that's going to get as much of a pop as usual. I don't hear. Maybe not. I know they're doing it like they, 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 it's a tradition now where they do a show on Saturday Correct. before uh, WrestleMania and then you get the Hall of Fame. And But I don't, you know, like the last few about, years, I actually thought about going to Hall of Fame this year, but I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Yeah, I definitely won't be able to. The uh, I'm not driving four hours for that, but uh, – I know the last several years there have been people going back to WrestleMania 30, people in NXT who were just ready to take the step forward. And and there was always buzz about, hey, this person's coming up, that person's coming up. But then this year, I'm not hearing any of the buzz that I, I used to hear about NXT people. No, I mean, there's a, maybe one or two names, but I mean, it's, it's you're right, though. Not the amount of buzz, no. Well, I actually just went back before we recorded tonight and just kind of YouTubed and looked at debuts of people over the last few years. And I was like, there were some big-name people, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, Finn Balor, and people who came up, and it's like, hmm. But all of those names right there had been somewhere else before they were right. in NXT. Exactly. So, And they've been around for a long time. And that's what had people excited. In terms of people Hell, who... Hell, is, uh, is over 40. Nakamura is 39, maybe. And yeah. Balor is 37. Yeah. Well, in terms of... 36, of, 37? In terms of actual homegrown WWE talent that came up pretty much exclusively in NXT, the only ones who got the huge pop were, and then WWE wouldn't want to talk about this now, were, were Enzo and Cass. Yeah, and, and or the uh, women. Oh, the women? Yeah, I, I stand corrected. Yes, the women were... Indeed. Bailey, when she first came out, was mega popular. And then they shit all over her. and Yeah, they found a... I swear to you, WWE... Well, part booking, of that, they shit all over her, and then her character really uh, really didn't show enough, you know, I'm looking at telling you, the WWE, this is, this is going to be a regionalized insult, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, fans. WWE booking has turned into the late 90s New Orleans Saints. No one is better at screwing up a sure thing than the late 90s New Orleans Saints. And nothing has been, no booking group has proven to be more inept since, well, late 90s WCW than current day WWE. Although they haven't fallen to that level yet. No, 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 no. For, for all of for all its faults, look, it, it it's it's bad, but it, it can always get worse. It can always get worse, but let's hope it gets I, better. Like I said, we've seen WCW in 2000. Fuck, we've seen Wrestling Society X. <laughs> Trust us, folks, it can get way worse. It definitely at least, can. At least it still looks like a wrestling show, kind of, at times. Yeah, it's just poor you decision know. making at this point. 
the uh it's just poor like poor booking decision making but it's not absolutely horrendous embarrassment of the wrestling business as a whole correct we're not putting uh judy bagwell in in a cage <laughs> we're not doing viagra on a pole we're not having uh we're not having people fall in the tables and get electrocuted like wrestling society x did and we're not having death matches yet so that's a start not happening no that's the not killing people you know, it's funny if you talk about the stupidest things I've ever seen in wrestling, it's death matches because at least WCW and Wrestling Society X, they weren't actually being electrocuted. And WCW is just stupid. But death matches are people making very little money actually hurting themselves. So, yeah. I, I rate that hey, as the lowest. Still, even at least they're making money. Backyard wrestlers did it for fucking free. <laughs> Talk about that. That's true. <laughs> Backyard wrestlers, nerdy white people from the suburbs who are just beating the crap out of themselves for zero dollars. From the suburbs. Do what? Kicking the piss out. Nerdy X Ennials from the suburbs kicking the piss out of each other. Well, let's be, let me take that back. I was being unfair. It was nerdy white people from both the suburbs and the trailer park. That, yeah, yeah, that's true too. It was a it was a multi regional type thing, but it was equally stupid no matter where it happened. Well, with that in mind, Aaron, this has been fun this episode. But let's move on to our main event of the evening, which is our top five. We're wrapping our women's themed top fives this week, and this week we're doing our top five women's matches of all time. Aaron, I had a lovely time putting this together, and I think I have a good top five. What do you have? This is very, very, very hard to do. I agree. I mean, it, I mean, it was really, really hard to do. Um, even though, like, the, the women's uh, matches, you know, the women's matches that we know it now, I think a lot of them are certainly better. Certainly the women's division is way better than it used to be. Oh, yes. But there's a lot of good matches from, from the past I really enjoyed. I agree. And this is going to be, in terms of, federations this is going to be the most diverse list that i've ever presented because i got it coming from all over but uh modern day old days you name it uh aaron and well let's just get right into it aaron who was your or what was your number five all-time greatest well, i don't have any honorable mentions but do you oh uh, well i do but i'll wait and make sure that you might pick one of these so and that way i don't we don't i don't steal your thunder but, uh, oh, okay. You, know, that, you go ahead and go first. I always go first. You go ahead and go I first. I appreciate that. Well, I'll start one. that This is going to really... You can find it on YouTube, by the way. This is going to blow everyone's socks off. It's from not WWE, not WCW, not even ECW or TNA. It's from the AWA. And at a time when the AWA was horrible. AWA 1987... Look it up on YouTube. It's for the AWA world title. And it is a babyface Medusa versus a heel Sherry Martell for the AWA women's title. It ends in a time limit in a time limit draw, but if you just the match is awesome and it's the only time I swear to you I've ever seen an AWA crowd from nineteen eighty seven be excited about anything. The crowd was into this match and it was just Heart pumping excitement. I loved it. If you get a chance to look it up, May 1987, Medusa versus Sherry Martell, AWA women's title. It's on YouTube, I promise. Yeah. That's that's a you know, that's it's a different one to pick, but yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Well, I was gonna say you might not have seen the match, Aaron, but I would think you would at least say, Well, that's you have to admit you're intrigued just hearing those two Sherry versus Medusa when they were young. Well, absolutely. When they were young and in really good, you know, physical shape. Yeah. So. I mean, those are probably two of the best in the business at that time. Oh, yeah. And of all time, for that matter. So, what's your number five? Well, my number five is actually a set of matches. Um, minus one. And it's the Sasha versus uh, Charlotte saga. Minus the Hell in the Cell. Minus the Hell in the Cell. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't really as much of a fan of the Hell in the Cell, but their their matches beforehand, I thought were really good. 
Um, very entertaining. Charlotte's Charlotte showed like there's not a whole lot of people that can actually touch her in the ring. Right. And and Sasha's just one hell of, is a really good athlete. And uh, she has really good facial expressions too. Her promos are eh, but her facials aren't are pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, they had they had some barn burners to Sasha Banks and, and Charlotte Flair. So I think you've made a, a worthy selection there. Uh, and incidentally, it sort of plays into my number four. So I'll just tell you my number four all time. Uh, was It's actually from last year's WrestleMania, and I know a lot of people didn't like this, but I, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. And it was Bailey before the fans hated her, winning the women's world title over Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, and Nia Jax. And I thought it was pretty well booked. I thought it was well wrestled, and I thought it had a, a great ending. Yeah, and the crowd was into it. They were pretty well. Um, oh, what could have been with Bailey, huh? Yeah, but to your point, by the way, yes, Charlotte Flair. I, I'm with you, man. That she, re- if she really wants to put it on, there's not anybody who can actually hang with her in terms of working and knowing how to get over and putting on good matches. No, not in that, not in the women's division. No. no, and she's in a pretty talented division compared comparatively speaking oh for sure what was your number four my number four is from i believe it's unforgiven 2006 okay and this is uh trish versus lita and this is trish's uh final match with wwe okay yeah that well, was very well she won she won the women's title and retired it <laughs> And, you know, retired uh, the champion. Uh, she got a great reaction. It was an emotional goodbye. Um, it was something you felt like you had to watch because it was, the you know, the end of an era. Yeah. And at the time, she was really, really well respected by fans and, and the company. So it was a, a really pretty good send-off for, for a wrestler. Yeah, oh, I agree. That, that I hadn't thought about that match when I was making this list, but yeah, you, you're right. That is definitely deserving. Yeah, and Trish Stratus, I know, I mean, I shouldn't say she's not underrated, but I think a lot of people forget how good she really was and where she came from to what she became. Right. Yeah, she, uh, you, seeing her when she debuted, you would not think that, um, you would not think that uh, she would have became what she did. Oh yeah! Credit to her for putting all the work in and becoming great as she as she did. So, all right, we'll move on to my number three. We're into the top three women's matches of all time, and this one I wouldn't uh, might be controversial, but I you have to hear me out three. when I say it. Nice. Say again. The top our top three favorites of all time. Favorites, yeah. I'm the argue over this. Yeah, my favorite number three favorite. It could be controversial to most people, but it, I have my reason for liking it. It's strictly because of the the history of the moment and how big it actually still was. The match itself was not great in terms of performance-wise. had a weird finish. But the women's match from WrestleMania 1, Wendy Richter with Cindy Lauper defeating Leilani Kai with with Moolah, the match itself, again, wasn't great, but the moment was so huge for professional wrestling. Forget women's wrestling, just professional wrestling in general. Yeah. Uh, when a lot of times when you you couldn't mention women's wrestling without talking about that match, yeah, I mean it was huge, and it went on late in the night. It wasn't like a, a curtain jerker. It was one of the last, might have been the second to last match. Yeah, and, and a lot uh, people got to understand back in those days, uh, especially at WrestleMania one, we, we weren't looking for uh, the matches were shorter, and um, they may not be what we would classify as five-star classics but they're still pretty good you got to understand where wrestling was back in back then to understand why well why why were these matches so terrible i don't think they were necessarily terrible but they were certainly not what we're educated to today certainly and i just confirmed this with the wikipedia that that was the second it was the semi-main event second to last match of the night was the women's match at wrestlemania one and it went nice it went on for a grand total of six minutes six minutes and 12 seconds and it was probably that's probably one of the longer matches of the night. It was about 
average. The The longest match of the night was actually the main event, which was 13 minutes, and the second longest was Brutus Beefcake versus David San Martino, which was 11 minutes and 44 seconds. Ah, uh, that Matt classic. Yeah, and after that, it was all six minutes and, and fewer on the matches. It was mostly interviews Who at WrestleMania. Forget the one. epic battle between Brutus Beefcake and David San Martino. <laughs> I know we all have. <laughs> Hell, fuck, they probably have. I'm sure they have. <laughs> with with many years of therapy, they were able to get over it. The uh, what's your number three all time favorite women's match, Aaron? Number three is 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 not a match that's going to make anybody's radar, but I actually just enjoyed the hell out of it. It uh, it's Luna Vachon versus Medusa from WCW Spring Stampede '97. That is a great one, man. I I I can see you. Oh, you that remember one. it? I remember it. It was good. Any I look, man. I'm a mark for Medusa. I can't lie. Yeah, I mean, I, anytime Medusa was on. TV, it was fun to watch. You know, I mean, it was, an, again, women's wrestling was a novelty back then for a long time. So when you saw, when you got a chance to see women's wrestling, you kind of were really intrigued. Uh, now, when you got Luna Vachon versus Medusa, you're damn sure intrigued. Uh, Luna was very good. <laughs> Luna was very good at being a heel. But there's one, one spot in this match where... Medusa clotheslines the living hell out of Luna, and it looks like she almost broke her neck. Yeah, well, I agree. That was a heck of a spot. Yeah. Man. I mean, I think it scared the hell out of Bobby Heenan when it happened. Poor old Bobby. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, a... was, uh, that one's got a lot of sentimental value for me. I actually enjoyed that match a lot. Well, that's why I like the fact that we're doing this as our favorite match. It's not trying to argue over what was the more technical Matt classic. It actually leads me to number two. My number two is one that most people will not think is great, but I, as a 13-year-old, and it wasn't because, uh, I'm being honest here, it wasn't because Medusa slash Alundra Blaze was attractive. She's a very pretty woman, don't get me wrong, but I really never thought of her in terms of that. I wasn't like didn't have a crush on her. I just thought, she was so much more athletic than all the other women's wrestlers and so much better at it in terms of like, she was so different. So I, again, I was big, even when she was a Lunger blaze. And that's why number two is actually SummerSlam 94, a Lunger blaze defeating bull Nakano, who is an underrated women's wrestler, by the way, bull Nakano. It was just a great match, told a good story and ended with a Lunger blaze on top. Yeah. I know those two wrestled each other for a long time. Yeah, on both sides. They would follow each other at WCW and wrestle each other there. I mean, it it, it it was like it was almost like the women's version of Juventud Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it's just they carried that match all over the all over the globe. <laughs> Still worked though. Wherever they went, they, you know, they they always it, see, it always seemed like they had a pretty decent match. I think so too. What's yeah. your number two all time favorite women's match? Number two is another sentimental value one for me, and this is the only time you'll hear Stephanie McMahon's name mentioned with uh, favorites or anything like that. But it's from Raw, nineteen ninety. I mean, not Raw, two thousand one. And part of the sentimental value is is because it was in Lafayette, Louisiana, <laughs> and it's when Lita defeated Stephanie McMahon for the women's title. And it was it was great drama. I mean, not just between the two women, but Rock was there as a special referee. Angle gets involved. Triple H is involved. And the crowd was just incredibly into that match, especially when, uh, especially when Lita won it, because I believe that was Lita's first women's championship. I think you're right, and also I think most fans, particularly if they were in Lafayette, were like, "There's no way they're letting her win, to, letting Lita win tonight." And then she did. And it was. Like, I had to give Steph credit too. She wasn't bad. You know, no. she was. She wasn't that bad in that match. Um, also, if I'm not mistaken, was that the first time a women's match ever main evented Raw? I think it was. It was the last time the women went on last in the history of the show. And they I, I, and they did service to it. So, yeah, I gotta say, and I think you'd agree. It's it's, and I more than anyone spend time complaining about. McMahon's involved in wrestling. It doesn't mean that Stephanie was never good. It just means that she needs to be away now <laughs> in 2018. Yeah. 
Yeah, about I mean, just the, this this tired authority heel gimmick in general is just. Well, just think about that for a second, Aaron. This was oh. 2001. Lafayette, Stephanie McMahon is right in the middle of all the main storylines. It is 17 years later, and the McMahon still, still in the middle of all the main storylines. You know, come on. If Hulk Hogan was still doing the yellow and red for 17 years, I mean, it got old after 10. I mean, <laughs> come on. You know, it's it's just you gotta gotta give me a break. So, exactly. all right, Aaron, we're we're to our number ones, our our all time favorite women's matches, and I've got one. And this used to the only time you'll hear uh, St- Stephanie McMahon and and good. <laughs> this will be the only time for me you'll ever hear TNA and number one. But my all time favorite women's match, and I watched it again just the other day for old time's sake was from TNA Lockdown 2007, and it's two of the best. They Both of them were mentioned in our previous list of all-time best women wrestlers, and it was Gail Kim versus Miss Jackie in a cage. Yep. I mean, back back then, the women's division in TNA was way better. Way, way than better. Than the women's division. Way better than the women's division in WWE. But I that's when John Laronitis was doing his bullshit and, and getting women who didn't want to be wrestlers and then he throwing them as wrestlers in there anyway. Exactly. It was ter- it was terrible. It was you terrible. Had, you had a couple of people that were good. You had Beth Phoenix that was there, she was good, and Michelle McCool was good. And maybe you had what, Melina and no Candace Michelle may have been. Yeah, she was there at the time too, I think. Well, they had talent coming and going. It just was never a lot of it at one time, and they didn't do anything with them. No, they did not. But over on TNA in 2007 on lockdown, it's a it's a steel cage match. Gail Kim versus Miss Jackie. And friends, do yourself a favor. If you've never seen this match, look it up. You are seeing huge bumps from Miss Jackie. Jackie is bumping all over the ring, coming off of high places and landing on her back. And the match actually ends. I mean, the, anyone who says women aren't tough enough to do take the pounding that the men do in the wrestling, watch this match. You'll you'll come away with a different opinion. Well, Jackie, damn sure is. Well, Gail Kim too, because Gail Kim is she's yeah. she's given as good as she gets and are getting as good as she gave. And after the, the the match actually ends, when Gail Kim comes off the top of the cage, like yeah, with a the Jimmy Snuka type moment. Off the top, and it's not a short cage; it's an extra tall cage. It's much taller. Is that than back when Dutchman and Tail was doing the booking? I've been through so many bookers at TNA. I can't remember who did what and when, but it could have very well I think been back when they actually had some competent booking. Though, I think it might have been. I think that's Cornette and Dutch were there. Yeah, I think that may have been the year we got Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle too. I think their yeah. series. That was when that company, 2007, was when TNA was at a crossroads and they were heading in the right direction and something went terribly yep. wrong. And well, they got rid of Mantell and Cornette. Yeah, and the initials were VR. Yeah, we're not talking about virtual reality. <laughs> we're certainly not talking about modern-day VR for you video game folks out there. No. The, he who shall not be named, one of many on our show. But that was my number one yeah. match, man. It's a, it's just a, a great, great match. What I'm interested to hear now from you, Aaron, your all-time favorite women's match. Okay, my all-time favorite women's match. You may not necessarily like the finish of this match because it ended with a suplex, right. a vertical suplex. But my all-time favorite women's match is Victoria versus Trish Stratus from Survivor Series 2002 in their hardcore match. Okay. That's a good match. They beat each other. They did. Not not only one, like I said, Victoria is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, and I wasn't sure if she would win that match. But they used, they beat the hell out of each other. They hit each other flush in the face with um, with a, a garbage can lids. They used fire extinguishers. It was a, it was a pretty good match. Um, and you just didn't see hardcore matches like that, certainly in women's wrestling. Yeah. Uh, as I, yeah, I mean, you may have saw one or two in the Attitude Era, but not, not, not like this. Not in a pay-per-view setting. I can't. Not that I can remember. No, I couldn't remember any of it either. So that that's a that's an outstanding selection, man. That's a and another two great workers, man. There's been so many. 
is what makes me feel bad, like you said, about WWE during that lean time was there were talented people before, during, and after Laurinaitis' reign of terror. Right. But And if you remember that period of 02, like, say, during the Ruthless Aggression era, early Ruthless Aggression era, that period from, like, 02 to 04-ish. Yeah. That wasn't a bad time for women's wrestling before Laurinaitis did all that other shit. But the early 2000s actually wasn't that bad. No. You had Victoria. Gail Kim was there. She would make her debut, I believe, later. Trish was there. Lita was there. You had a... You had a small uh, group of very capable uh, women that could go at it. Correct. Mickey James would come in. Correct. So, and then the lesser of the Laurinaitises <laughs> took over, and that was the end of that. So, eh, whatever. What can you say, man? Well, Aaron, it's been a fun week. We're just over an hour in, and that's probably a good enough spot to for us to stop and want to thank our fans as always for tuning in and downloading us and like I said give us some comments let us know if you want us to bring back the archives we're reasonable men we might be persuaded just shoot us a tweet shoot us a comment here on SoundCloud or wherever you want to tell, reach us we'll appreciate it until next week I'm Will Tubbs for Aaron Corville signing off telling you good night from the X New Marks podcast <laughs>